the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. (laughs) Well, hey, welcome. Hey, today's National Radio Day, or it's World Radio Day. You know what, does? <laughs> My microphone wasn't plugged in. I mean, here we are, 50,000 watts, and the plug wasn't in the, uh, I'm not quite sure what happened there. But uh, I was talking away, and uh, nothing was going out. Anyway, hey, thanks for coming along today. Really appreciate your presence. Uh, look, we're headed for some uh, some really cold temperatures. Finally, winter looks as though it's on our doorstep. I like it. Um, Kath is still away. She is back in town, though. That's the most excellent news from her uh, long, long jaunt abroad. And uh, she'll join us tomorrow uh, live in studio for the first time in more than a week. So looking forward to having Kath back on, live on air again for any number of reasons. So, um, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine. I get together regularly with um, a buddy. We have, we have a breakfast. And he's been a, a grandfather now for several years. And so, you know, he brings me up to date on what's going on with the new grandchild. I think uh, it's actually not that new. It's uh, the baby, not that it. The baby's three years old. And I've known my buddy. This is my buddy. I've known him since high school. So we were just talking about, you know, uh, what is it like to be a grandfather? Because I'm not a grandfather yet. It might, might be a while considering the speed, the speed of my boys. Not that I'm in any hurry. Neither of them are married or neither of them are even engaged. So uh, I don't want to be surprised. I'd like things to go in a, a natural and uh, a fine order. Anyway, sitting with my friend talking. And uh, so the subject arose. I said, what does your grandchild call you? And and he laughed. And he said, oh, he said, I don't know why this is, because this is not in anywhere in our family history. But for whatever reason, my granddaughter has chosen to call me Huey. Huey. Uh, and I said, and your wife? Uh, Oh, her, she's Nana. So Huey and Nana. Okay. And I I was thinking about this today, and I walked around the studio, and I, I asked different people, what do you, you know, as your grandparent, what do your grandkids call you? And where did that come from? Uh, one of our guys here, he's he's a poppy, like poppy seed. He's poppy or pops. I think it's pretty common. Poppy and Grammy. That's sweet. Um Growing up, we had traditional names for, our, for for one side. My mother's grandparents, or my mother's parents, we called them Grandma and Grandpap. And they were. They were sort of the prototypical, if you would look you know, in the dictionary for Grandma and Grandpap, that, that would be them. That's clearly the, the image that they represented. On my father's side, we called my grandmother Nan. She was a much more formal uh, woman, Nan. And uh, her husband, my grandfather, he was Pap. 
and I've got five sisters, and so they, they some of them have, some of them are grandkids. One of them, one of my sisters, goes by the name of Gogo, which suits her quite well. Gogo. Uh, another one of my sisters, she goes by Jane, just Jane, and that's just because that's what the grandchild decided to call her. My mom went by Bia, and I think that was you know a corruption of grandma Bia. All her grandkids called her Bia forever. And my my dad was Pap, Bia and Pap. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, on this day, what do your grandkids call you? Where does that come from? It's such a weird, you know, sort of um, thread or a root of of words that's so rich and steep and family history and love and kindness and all that. Just very interesting to me what that is, what your grandkids call you. Oh, Mike's telling me we got to take a break. Okay, uh, I should say portions of the show have, um, are pre-recorded. Just want, want you to know that as part of a legalese. Kath uh, and I have been talking to different people as Kath has gone away, and so she's going to join us uh, on the air in just a few minutes as well. So <laughs> We're all plugged in and ready to go. 50,000 watts on uh, World Radio Day. Uh, your presence is always so welcome and uh, deeply appreciated. Back in a few minutes. 101.5 WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New, new, new music. New music from Lincoln Brewster. Who am I? Who am I? You've always been by Unspoken. Everything I've needed, Lord, you've always been. And Matt Marr with Alive and Breathing. You're still alive and breathing. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Good morning, America. Or is it? If you're one of the millions of Americans who did not sleep well last night, it's probably a pretty average morning. But listen up, you sleep-deprived people. There's good news. A breakthrough sleep solution called Pronto Sleep. And when we say pronto, we mean pronto. Pronto Sleep gently opens your nose to focus breathing and help you relax and fall asleep. And the built-in scent diffuser delivers a blend of four pure essential oils to help you stay asleep naturally. And then Pronto replenishes the oils ready for the next night. Too easy, eh? And in trials, 84% of people with trouble sleeping found Pronto helped them fall asleep and 74% found it helped them stay asleep. So make every morning a... Good morning, America. With Pronto Sleep, available now at select Walgreens, Amazon or at prontosleep.com. Pronto Sleep from RhinoMed, bringing you advanced nasal therapies. Like the rest of us, you're probably tired of all those annoying sales calls to your home telephone number. Now, there's a solution. OurOldNumber.com will block those pesky robocalls from getting through, and most live sales calls will hang up. So how does it work? Callers to your home telephone number will hear a personalized greeting from you. The caller selects the family member they wish to reach, and the call is immediately forwarded onto the family member's cell phone. There's no equipment to buy. There's nothing to install. No long-term contracts. It's still your phone number and remains in directory assistance. The service is only $9.99 per month, and you can eliminate your landline connection and save money. Now, calls to your home phone number can reach any member of the family wherever they are and get rid of those annoying sales calls. OurOldNumber.com. It's just $9.99 per month. Go to OurOldNumber.com to learn how you can get started blocking sales calls today. That's OurOldNumber.com. OurOldNumber.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. J&D Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. If you're the uh, parent of late teen, 20-something, early 20-something kids, it comes with a lot of uh, baggage. It's sort of an uncharted course in some ways because, you know, there's a million books that are written about how to raise your baby or your toddler or your adolescent. But then once you cross that line, it feels as though parents are sort of left to their own devices or they just are expected expected to give it up and let the child float away. But that doesn't have to be the case. Dan Dupee is with us. Dan's the chairman of the board of the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach. Uh, He wrote a book a few years back, and it's a fabulous book. It's called It's Not Too Late, The Essential Part You Play in Shaping Your Teen's Faith, which was published by Baker Books in 2016. Dan, welcome back to the show. John, it's great to be with you. Kath, great to be with you. Always good to hear from you, Dan. And this is the crux of your book, right? That that we as parents of older kids have more influence on them than we think? Exactly. I mean, the, the popular notion of what uh, is constitutes the waning of influence beginning with the teenage years really doesn't hold up very well relative to the research. So the data, particularly from the National Study on Youth and Religion, which is the most reliable data we have, most extensive study that's ever been done on our soil, uh, suggests that you know kids who make a good transition from late adolescence to early adulthood with a faith that they own for themselves, it's a faith of consequence, those young people uh, have at the top of the list of factors that have influenced them is the influence and example of highly religious parents. And highly religious means nothing more than parents who practice the things they espouse to their kids relative to their own faith. I see. So we would count ourselves into that, right? Kath and I, I'm sure you as well, probably a lot of our listeners are intentional in practicing those things that we work with every day, our prayer life, our our service to the church community, all those different things. And and of course, all these years, we've been trying to do that same thing with our children, imprinting those same traits onto our child's life. But in spite of that, we talked yesterday on our show, Dan, about the fact that a new study came out saying that a parent will make 4,000 gaffes between the birth of a child and the time that they're 18 years old and leave the house. 4,000. I mean, that could be a conservative estimate based on my track record. But we, there's such a huge potential to screw them up. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the uh, 4,000 gaffes, right, that sounds like yep. a low number for me. But, you know, I think there's a difference between having integrity and being different. And, and having integrity is important because, you know, the consistency of, of who we are before God and how we live and who we are in our unguarded moments and how we talk about people who aren't in the room and all those things that our kids can see played out in front of them. I mean, that's important, but being perfect is is a 
that's not the the end game. That's not what we're set up to do. In fact, our imperfection is oftentimes the best setup for God's influence. I a lot of times talk about the terrible thing I did when my kids were playing Little League Baseball. Uh, Our boys took cold third strikes back-to-back when they were about 10 years old, and I was just a parent watching the game, but I talked to them in between innings, like, dude, you got to swing the bat. Whatever I did, I didn't yell, but whatever I did, it made them both cry. That would be, that's at least worth 10 gaffes right there. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, so I was that, I was that terrible little league dad, right? Um, But we had a liturgy for confession and forgiveness. You know, Jack Spence, I'm sorry, it took some fun. I made it not fun. Later, I could add, you know, I'm sorry, projected my own failings as a young athlete. But at the time, that's what I had. And uh, and they could say, Dad, I forgive you. Um, So, yes, gas galore. You know, the, the question of integrity is legitimate. The question of perfection uh, relative to how we move with our kids is something we need to remove from our the expectations we have for ourselves. In fact, we ought to work for God to work in our imperfections, I think. So, Dan, um, Kath and I, uh, our, our kids uh, are similar ages. They're late teens, early 20s. And, uh, you know, ready to move on uh, out of the house and into their own lives. But I, I often wonder about the influences other than ourselves, right? Other than mom and dad, who is it that we can rely on who's a positive imprint in our kids' lives? Whether it's, um, you know, uh, family, uh, aunts or uncles, someone who they love, our kids love, but they don't feel the same sort of parental pressure that they would get from us. Someone from the church community or just the, you know, the greater community at large. I believe that's also an important part of allowing a child to grow and to grow strong. Yeah, it's and it's a great question, John. It's, a, again, back to the National Study on Youth and Religion. You know, they, they had a set of six things that were true about kids that made a good faith transition. And in number five is the, the teen has many adults in a congregation to turn to for help and support. Mm. And that's not talking about parents. So they're, they're looking out of all the things that could make a difference in the life of a late adolescent into early adulthood. There's only six things that just show up over and over again, and this is one of them. So the people who can have that kind of influence, I think the best way into that uh, understanding that for me has been to look at my own story. So let's think about, you know, who is it that had that role in my life who wasn't my mom or my dad? And thinking of certainly uh, people, you know, in youth ministry or college ministry in my case, but then thinking of other folks, too, that I'd long since forgotten. Um, And that gives, I think that gives some of the best clues as to who might have that role in in the life of our kids. Uh Um, you know, who potentially could be another adult who could speak into their life? Because it's probably happening now. Right, of course. It's just that it's not it's not front on the radar until you actually start to dig a little bit and have the conversation. Well, you know, who's, who is having that influence on you? Right, okay, so, but what's, what do you suggest for people who don't have 
someone who is who has that role in their child's life. And so that they know, we, we would know in that instance, that our kid's being influenced by the Internet or they're being influenced by, you know, a YouTube influencer, to use the same word twice, or, you know, by people online or someone on social media or whatever it is. How do you go about establishing that or at least offering that to your child? Yeah, there, I, I would, how I've thought about this is um, invite them over for dinner. <laughs> so a couple different possibilities here. One is a family that you really like. You just have thought, boy, I'd, I'd always have liked to spend more time with them. I like their kids. I like their parents. Let's just, let's have them over. Um, something may happen. Something may not happen relative to connection, but at least, you know, you, you're giving the chance for something to take root organically, which is the best way. Um, and if it's, you know, if it's somebody else, again, you're the same sort of thing, I think, applies, which is let's let's throw some meat on the grill and have a dinner party and get this person in our house as a starting point. Um, if this is somebody I really want to sort of have an influence, have some nearness to my my child, because you can't ultimately make it happen. But you can certainly create an environment where people know each other better than they did before. So that would be a very practical, straightforward thing, because um, ultimately you want some you want some relationships. So the question of well, how, how does that happen? Right. Well, there's not a lot of shortcuts for relationship. Yes, yeah, you, so you just you, have to you, invest you, the time, put out the invitation, and see what happens. Yep. Dan DePease, chairman of the board of the CCO, the Coalition for Christian Outreach, a campus ministry working annually with over 32,000 students on over 115 campuses. Dan and his wife, Carol, are the parents of four kids. Now, Dan, because we've known you for a long time, we know that you have parented not just four kids, but two sets of twins. Holy moly. True. True. Yeah, that's a lot. Now, I know that you're even having twins your kids are not the same, but you guys were the same parents. So how do you parent your kids well, knowing that you're, that all of our kids are very different? It's almost like our kids in their differences need different parents, except they're just stuck with the same two. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Yeah. You could use different parents. Unfortunately, you don't have them. Exactly. <laughs> they're not available. Yeah. Yeah. Those people went to, uh, yeah, I think the the temperaments of our kids, the you know what motivates them. Uh, are they? Do they want to be in the midst of other people? Do they want to be alone? Do they have a lot of friends? Do they have a few friends? Are they artists? Are they scientists? You know, all of the tremendous tremendous number of variations uh, with kids. And I think you know, as far as parenting, parenting kids differently according to who they are. Uh, first of all, I'm generally in favor of that, given that there's some things you want to do consistently, you know, the, you, and, and thinking how it would feel to be on the receiving end of that is a good barometer. But I think with our kids, you know, you got to take, the, we have to take the time to get to know them a little bit and not make assumptions. Let your kids surprise you. Um, because we think we know who they are, and particularly when they are in late adolescence, emerging adulthood, you're going to get surprises. And, and you know, you kind of need to open things up in a way that when they tell you something about something they're trying, 
you know, like I'm, I tried out for the musical and it's like, well, I didn't know you were even interested in that. You know, you, you want to pay attention to that, encourage it and let it emerge. So I think the, the, you know, the question of parenting differently for different kids is more than anything else, a matter of paying attention. Could I describe uh, the differences between, you know, our boys, for example, um, who have a lot of similarities, but it's been important for Carol and I both to be able to look at them and say, well, this is, you know, this is kind of what Jack likes to do, and this is what he's good at doing, and this is how he is. And Spencer, on the other hand, Jack, Jack is, you know, friends of a thousand. Spencer is going to be friends with three to five uh, is, is just an example of that. So, yeah, you do. You got to you gotta be paying attention is the biggest thing. What When I was um, – when our boys were uh, about 12 years old, I got a sabbatical. Now, not everybody gets a three-month sabbatical. I get that. <laughs> but the objective was to know my kids, know my wife, and know Jesus better. And at the end, I owed two of the people who sort of partnered through my sabbatical, a board member and a pastor, I owed them and answered all three of those questions. So I had to, I had to be able to capture in about three bullet points what made each of my kids distinctive. It was a great exercise in learning how to to watch them, to listen to them, and then name the stuff that makes one different from the other. And then, of course, subsequent to that, to to really think about that as as I'm their dad. Yeah. So, Dan, as I'm listening to you and this conversation between the three of us, the the thread here uh, is an intentionality in how we look at our kids, how we parent our kids. Now, I don't know about you, but, I mean, my parents, they were not intentional. I mean, certainly they loved me and they cared for me and raised me, but, you know, it was kind of sink or swim. Um, trying to avoid the idea of being a, a snowplow parent or a helicopter parent, you still want your kids to follow along a traditional route in their pursuit of Jesus, which would include, you know, coming to church and Bible reading and prayer. So how do you do that? How do, where is that balance of, I am intentional, I want my child to know Christ, I want them to lead a good and holy life. At the same time, I don't want to be, you know, this guy who's breathing down their necks at every turn and, you know, just suffocating them. Yeah, the Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 7 has both the intentional and the, you know, the sort of in the course of everyday life description of nurturing the faith of our kids. So at one point in the passage, you know, Mo, or uh, yeah, Moses says to the people of Israel, uh, teach it, it being the law, we would say the word, diligently to your children. And then, you know, a couple of verses later, uh, you have speak of it, the law, when you uh, sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise which is more just in the stuff of everyday life. You know, that's that's more about just being near to somebody and living out your faith in front of them. So I think, you know, the question of intentionality, I think there's a couple parts to it. And one is just thinking ahead a little bit about the opportunities you have with your kids that are in front of you over the next days and weeks. Quick example, dinner. 
okay, we're eating dinner together. We want to have conversation at the table. So are we going to ask the, you know, the question, how was school today? Did you learn anything? Uh, which gets lame answers typically because they're kind of lame questions. Right. I mean, it's like our kid's going to go, oh, my gosh, I didn't see that question coming. <laughs> that, was, that was shockingly original, you know. So intentionality there, what intentionality looks like there is just thinking ahead a little bit. Uh, and, of course, you guys should probably sell good questions to people because you're very good interviewers. Thank you. But the, the, yeah, the, the, the thinking, okay, what is it I, what is it I can ask that's not the same thing that's going to get the same answer, that's going to lead nowhere in a conversation? There's even – you can even go online and find, you know, like boxes of questions on flashcards. Mm-hmm. That's an example of, of intentionality. The, the other – end of that would be an intentionality about experiences. Uh, and experiences can be mission trips. They can be, you know, weekend at Pittsburgh project. They can be, um, uh, they can be summer camps, which we have a great set of camps around here, uh, which had, for a late teen might mean being a counselor. But, you know, what, what are the things that if a person did them, if they kind of, uh, stepped off the ledge into going overseas or doing something like that would have a profound in, impact on that young person's life. That that's another piece of intentionality uh, that I you know when I think about intentionality, that's how I'm thinking about it because the mere intentionality of like going, hey, this is the big moment of truth where, where we're going to have the big conversation about faith. I mean, it's not that you don't want to have that big conversation about faith. But you have to remember your big moment and your kid's big moment may be two completely different moments. Uh, I mean, I had the example of, of doing interviews with parents where one of the parents came back with some information from uh, their youngest child that referred to a, a big moment for that youngest child who was a sophomore in college that he referred to as the talk. And I asked my friend, well, what was in the talk? Yeah, this sounds really good. And he said, well, I don't know. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, got, you, you when you're thinking in, intentionally, uh, you, you just have to acknowledge you can't, you can't make stuff happen. Uh, you can't control it. You can't snowplow it. You, you have to try and just think about how to use your influence in other ways that are helpful to the other person. That's really good. That's Dan DePee. The book, It's Not Too Late, The Essential Part You Play in Shaping Your Teen's Faith. Dan, we always appreciate your wisdom and uh, the way you share it with it's us. It's a terrific book. It really is. So thank you so much. We really greatly appreciate your insights here. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for the conversation, and I certainly hope you both get over your colds really soon. <laughs> That's very kind of you. We can only hope. Dan Dupee from the CCO Coalition for Christian Outreach. Easy to find on the web to engage your child as they move forward in life. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. We started our company 10 years ago in an effort to help our fellow Christians experiencing tax issues resolve their matters by taking a simple three-step approach. 
South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys that specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We're also a small firm who will treat you like family, not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Elevate your leadership game at the L3 One Day Conference, a day to grow your leadership, your network, your future. 8 to 4, Friday, March 13th at the Marriott Pittsburgh North and Cranberry. Join L3 leadership founder Doug Smith, nationally known master communicator Jeff Henderson, and Pittsburgh business leaders Laura Ellsworth, Greg Weimer, and Bill Strickland, who will inspire and train you and your team to reach your maximum potential. The L3 One Day Conference, Friday, March 13th. Register while you can at L3OneDay.com. 2020 is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage. With the help from the pros at Salem Surround, we give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. For your next event, instead of worrying about catering to your guests, why not just enjoy them? The Cooked Goose Catering Company provides homemade satisfaction that puts you at ease, whatever the occasion. Like their roast beef and stuffed chicken breast, with mashed or roasted potatoes and green beans, just $10.95 a person. Visit cookedgoosecatering.com word and see what's cooking. The Cooked Goose Catering Company, just good food. Every cup of Circle K coffee is ground in the moment. So, whether you're craving coffee now or now, you'll get the freshest cup in the world at Circle K. Every cup ground fresh, starting at a dollar at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. Tonight, considerable clouds, colder with a couple of snow showers. Breezy this evening, watch for a rapid freeze-up with the low 15. Tomorrow, a couple of flurries in the morning. Otherwise, times of clouds and sun with a high 21. Tomorrow night, clear and cold with a low 12. Saturday, increasing cloudiness with a high 38. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Hey, uh, tomorrow, we've been talking about this for a while. Of course, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Happy Valentine's Day Eve to you. We'll all gather. I think it might be the, it might be the first time I see Kath, uh, which will be at uh, the Marty Simpson Show, Christ Church at Grove Farm. You know, Kath's been away now for a while, uh, globetrotting, and uh, she should be there. And I look forward to checking her out and saying, hey, what's going on with you? Get those little fancy stickers on your luggage because you've been around the world once or twice. So, yeah, Kath will be there. 
uh, Marty Simpson, who is a very funny guy. You know, we do this every year. Uh, we bring in a comedian for Valentine's Day. We've gone to different venues throughout the uh, the years we've done this. Uh, I'll tell you what. From talking to Marty on and off the air, he is by far the funniest guy, I think, at least you know, on the phone that we've talked to. So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night's show. Now, if you've not bought your tickets yet, wordfm.com is the place to go. You'll see the Marty Simpson date night banner, the Valentine's Day banner at the very top of the page. But go. They're not that expensive. They really aren't. So if you're thinking, last minute, what do I do? Come out and check out Kath and myself and Marty and New Mike's going to be there. Mrs. New Mike's going to be there. The whole crew. Everybody here from Word FM, so we hope to see you there as well. Uh, Christ Church at Grove Farm. The VIP dinner, unfortunately, is long since sold out. But still, go and have a just go have a little cheapy meal. Do a little pizza with your wife, and then come out and check out the show. Okay, WordFM.com. Listen uh, through the kindness, though the promoters. I got a pair of tickets to give away right now. One pair of tickets. So be a hero for you or your wife or you and your husband. How about caller number nine? Caller number nine at 800-320-8255, 800-320-8255. And join us. Check out uh, Marty Simpson, myself, and Kath tomorrow, date night, Christchurch at Grove Farm. Caller number nine, 800-320-8255. Take a break. Well, we got lots more heads. Stick around. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM and WPIT Radio. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at textrules.us. Texting and roles for recurring automated marketing text messages, message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Tom from Kane 11 and I have one question for you. What size socks are you wearing right now? If you're like everyone else I've asked, you simply don't know. How could you? That's because until now, socks were made in one size fits all or just a couple of sizes to fit every size foot. But not at Kane 11. We make our socks in 11 individual sizes from 7 to 17. That's right, 7 to 17. Great looks and colors to fit everyone's lifestyle. From cotton to wool or anything in between, Kane 11's got the perfect sock for you. Better yarns, better quality, just a better sock. If you don't love them just like we do, send them back for a full refund. That's the Kane 11 promise. Once you wear a pair of Kane 11's, I guarantee you'll never go back to wearing socks in multi-size ranges again. Save 20% off your first order when you text SOCKS to 246810. That's text SOCKS. To two four six eight ten. Text socks to two four six eight ten. When you've got water, fire, or smoke damage, there's no debate. You have to vote yellow. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Our team is ready to help twenty four hours a day. The man, the yellow man. This election year, you can vote red or you can vote blue, but yellow is always the right choice. Demand the yellow van when you have water damage and call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade with over 50 professionally certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Hi, this is Joe Belanti with J&D Waterproofing at 1-800-BERRY-DRY. In honor of our 81 years serving the tri-state area, we are offering great savings for all our new and past customers. Call 1-800-BERRY-DRY. That's 1-800-BERRY-DRY to get your savings 
warnings on basement waterproofing, bowing or cracking walls, and or footer stabilization projects. Or visit us at jdwaterproofing.com. JND Waterproofing, family owned and operated since 1939. Church is weird and church is wonderful. It all depends on your perspective and, of course, the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Church is certainly imperfect, I'll tell you that. Uh, Marilyn McIntyre is with us. Uh, she's a writer, professor of medical uh, humanities at UC Davis, UC Berkeley. She's written a piece in this month's Comet Magazine, which we love, called Choosing Church. She says there are lots of reasons to avoid church, but here are the reasons to look again. Marilyn, welcome back to the show. How are you? How are you? Thank you so much. I'm glad to be back. Thank you. Marilyn, it's always wonderful to have you. Um, I love the beginning of your piece uh, where you talked about, you know, those of us who love literature recognize two of the literary characters that you brought up who don't put the church in its best light. Um, so <laughs> yeah. if, if you're a Jane Austen fan and you read Pride and Prejudice, you know that Mr. Collins is just hateable. And he just, not only is he hateable, he just he just makes your skin crawl. He's just horrible. Um, and then, of course, you brought up um, Amos Starcatter from Cold Comfort Farm. Or Dana Carvey. Right. Exactly, of course. Yeah. Um, the church lady. So the church is easy to lampoon, isn't it? Oh, so easy. Ask anybody who's a pastor. It's really hard to find a pastor in literature who's to be taken seriously. Right, or a pastor who's portrayed well, or some kind of inspirational yeah. figure. Um, so it's easy to it's easy to lampoon, and especially in today's culture, church, I think, is increasingly seen as some kind of maybe archaic, or or even more unfortunately, maybe a, um, maybe a 1950s American holdover. That's right. So and some churches really do seem like that. Right, and... And so as much as we recognize that there's an element of that, um, you say that when you find a church that it, you're dissatisfied with, it doesn't mean that you have to throw out the idea of church altogether. Right. And one of the words that I used all the way through the piece is healthy, a healthy church. Yeah. Good to look for a healthy church. So church at 15 looks different for people than church when they first have babies or when church is for older people, right? I mean, a good church, right. you should be able to plant yourself in that soil, and by the grace of God and a strong church assembly with elders and deacons and friends and, and family around right. all around you, they become family, and it guides you through this topsy-turvy world. But that church right. is a difficult thing to find, isn't it? Because like you talked about, there there are many unhealthy churches and how do you how do you go about this to create or to find a good church that will be with you through all those seasons? Is that an impossibility? Of course not. It's not an impossibility. And I liked the double verb you used. You part of it is to find one. If you can't find one, then it may be that it's partly your job to help create one. Oh. So that itself is a matter of discernment. Do I go look for another church because I'm coming away irritated every Sunday morning, or do I stay here and seek guidance from the Holy Spirit and assume a position of leadership or stay in the conversation? Yeah, because a lot of people will point the fingers, right, and go, well, my church doesn't do this, and it doesn't, so I'm going to leave. I'm going to go someplace else instead of investing yourself in what needs to be done. And part of the wisdom, I think, of the old parish system that still persists in some places is you 
go to church in your neighborhood. And that certainly has a downside, but it also means you deal with who you're given. There's mm-hmm. some goodness in that. Yeah. Marilyn, we had a uh, we had a segment about maybe three or four months ago about a recent uh, Pew Research Center study on levels of education um, at versus levels of church attendance. And by church attendance, mm-hmm. uh, they made that into uh, at least two weeks a month. And uh, so we talked about how, you know, we talked to our listeners. You know, so how many years of education do you have and how often do you worship? And I think the thing that surprised me most about talking to listeners and then interacting with them online is how many many of our listeners don't go to church. Um, they mm-hmm. they feel like they have a relationship with God, but they don't go. Um, it, they're busy. They feel like their kids are involved with things on Sunday mornings. They feel like they need to sleep in. Uh, there are a lot of reasons, but many of them just don't go. Right. That's certainly true nationwide, I think. And part of it has to have to do with the fact that we are, it's sort of a cliche, but we're all busier. People are exhausted by Sunday morning, yeah. want to sleep in, want to spend time with their kids. Um, my son-in-law told me not too long ago when I said something about a 40-hour week and how much his workplace was overworking him, he just laughed and he said, well, this 40-hour week is really a thing of the past for most of us. And that seems so sad to me that um, finding time for family at all sometimes means huge trade-offs. And I know someone else who says, I'd love to go to church, but the kids are tired, my husband's tired, and having brunch with them on Sunday morning has become a really important way of keeping the family in contact. Yeah. Right. And there are a number of reasons that you list for not going to church. In fact, you said that the the list was depressing and you edited it down. So I appreciate <laughs> right. you just giving us the bare minimum of what we needed to get the point. Uh, however, um, you said that the list of reasons to go to church, though, is actually longer and it's a lot more interesting. It's even compelling. And it's a list that you'd be happy to share with anybody, with people who are cynical or indifferent or uninformed. Yeah. Um, and then you just launch into many things that I have appreciated and experienced over the years, but I would not have thought to put in writing. Mm. Well, this was a wonderful assignment for me because... I have had times when going to church seemed like a chore, but always I do feel that the Holy Spirit has guided me back, and something has tugged me back that I tried to get at in some of these reasons. Mm -hmm. There's something I need when I go to church that I can't get anywhere else. Yeah. So the first thing is that idea of story. You know, we started out talking about, you know, great literary characters. I mean, maybe, you know, the church mm-hmm. lady isn't a great literary character, but, you know, Mr. Collins certainly is. So the, so there's a story, um, and this is not a story that we're invited to like a Jane Austen story. This is the, a great story of the universe and a, of a relationship between God and his creation. So that's the the first thing that a healthy ch- church gives you is a, is a time to get away from your own thing, get out of your space and recognize that there's a much bigger thing at play. Right. And the word I like to bring to uh, the way we relate to the scriptural story is that it's a place we inhabit. It's a story we enter and find our own lives enlarged there. Mm-hmm. A sacred text offers story in a whole, on a whole different set of terms, and this sacred text, with all of its many, many different 
stories invites us into something really complex and enriching that takes a whole lifetime to explore. Yeah. What I like about this is that you talk about, Marilyn, that a healthy church will help you get over yourself. Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, that's so vital, right? Yeah. I mean, if we are really truly swimming in the congregation of our church, it's less about me and more yeah, about and everybody you don't else. Even, you don't even realize it's happening. It's not like you yeah. go into church and say, oh, look, I'm getting over myself. It's just that's what happens when you're there. Right. And the people who come to matter to you are people whose lives become more open to you and you enter into their sorrows and somehow you take the measure of your own life quite differently after you submit to that kind of intimacy with a community. Hmm. And when you've prayed with people and heard them pray over things that are strenuous and difficult, it's really hard to get stuck in your own problems in quite the same way. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what either we miss ourselves or, you know, just society as a whole you know, you can go to any coffee shop or bar or wherever people hang out these days and have small talk, but the intimacy of those moments, and, you know, there are deep intimacy of those moments if you choose to be part of that, right, where you really get to know people and you see their foibles and you understand your own weaknesses and all that, but still, if you show up and you're part of the congregation in you know, in and out week after week, you are known and you are loved, and that's a very powerful piece of life. That's right. There's a line in one of Audrey and Richard's poems, which has nothing to do with church, but it comes to mind, which is, there must be those among whom we can sit and weep and still be counted as warriors. Mm. And I think of that sometimes, you know, that it's a place where people can, in front of other people, weep over their losses and still be known as people of strength and courage and faith. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Marilyn McIntyre. This is a uh, an essay that she put together, and it's on church. And it it will change how you look at what you do on a Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever you choose to engage with the church family. Marilyn is writer and professor of medical humanities at UC Davis and the UC Berkeley UC San Francisco Joint Medical Program. What about the idea of confession for people that have never been to a church? or who haven't been to church in a long time, that seems like the worst thing ever, is that I would have to go in there and I would have to tell somebody something personal that I'm embarrassed about anyway. Yeah, well, of course, Protestant churches don't practice confession the way the Catholics do, although I think, I personally think that's something of a loss, because it's good to actually name the things that you carry guilt or sadness about. But I still think that the practice of corporate confession, that kneeling, as many churches do, and saying even these written confessions that we've done what we ought not to have done and we have neglected things we ought to have done, it's just good to say those words out loud. And to know that we are one among a company of people who have sinned and failed and are still um, coming to God with that together in faith. I mean... uh, I hear that, you know, sort of a shortcut of a confession in some way when you hear someone's testimony, right? You know, there's a a Christian word there, but, you know, you go hear someone's story and you think, whoa, I didn't know that about that guy. And, you know, and I appreciate the honesty when somebody stands up in front of a group of people and just exposes themselves, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And and there it is. And there's a deeper understanding in a very quick way 
um, that certainly breaks through the intimacy and uh, allows us all to come together because, I mean, holy smokes, who among us isn't crazy or broken or mm-hmm. wild with fear, or anger, or resentment? And I've touched on it only very briefly, but I think churches have a lot to learn from 12-step programs where people do that yeah. right. very openly and very supportively and with a deep commitment to keep each other's, to hold each other's anonymity, but still to listen to the stories of people who have made a decision to seek help and change. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Okay, we're out of time, uh, but I have to ask you one closing question. And there's so many other things we could talk about with this. But I love the fact that you talked about hearing, a, gathering together and hearing someone read ancient words together. You talked about singing. Also, you talked about praying. But what about that, that thing? We actually hear someone reading the scriptures out loud. That's a beautiful thing. It's well, an amazing thing. Right. To hear it spoken by a human voice. Yes. The uh, ancient Hebrews believed that the spoken word was sacred because words come out on a breath of light. So utterance is a way in which we imitate God. That's good. And I think that's an amazing way of thinking about the value of words. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so to hear the word is different from just reading it on a page. Right. Okay. Speaking of speaking speaking of words, Marilyn, I have to tell you, I'm right in the middle of your book, "Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies." I didn't even know you were going to be on today because you set this up with John. I love that book so much. I'm so glad. It's a it's, it's a, a pleasure to write. It's it. a tremendous tremendous book. Anyway, um, I'll be happy to post information about the book and this marvelous essay by Marilyn McIntyre, writer yeah. and professor of medical humanities at UC Berkeley UCSF Joint Medical Program. Uh, the book I'm talking about is "Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies." She's also written "Word by Word: A Daily Spiritual Practice." All the information about Marilyn available right now on our homepage, johnandkathyshow.com. Thanks, yeah. Marilyn. Thank you so much. I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. Hi there, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Don't you just love an old-fashioned love song like that? We sure do love old-fashioned at the Springhouse, too. Old-fashioned values, well-loved antiques, and old-time family recipes. So that's exactly what we'll be cooking for you and your sweetheart on the upcoming Valentine's Day Sweetheart Dinner. Grilled marinated flank steak, celebration chicken Romano, Pearl's cheesy potatoes, buttered steamed green beans, reunion salad, your choice of a from scratch dessert, Bev's brown rolls, and pink lemonade. How's that sound for old fashioned goodness? We'll light the candles and serve you on China as you enjoy live music by beloved local musician Bob Podish. Call 724-228-3339 to reserve your seat or go to springhousemarket.com for details. You might wonder why Australians always seem so relaxed. Well, it comes down to sleep. And we can sleep like a koala full of gum leaves. So we've invented a solution to your sleep problems. It's called Pronto Sleep. Pronto Sleep is a two-in-one solution that helps you fall asleep and stay asleep. Pronto gently opens your nose to focus breathing so you can relax and fall into the land of Nod. And the built-in scent diffuser delivers a blend of four pure essential oils all night long for a butte sleep naturally. Then Pronto replenishes the oils ready for the next night. Clever, eh? And does it work? Well, in trials, 
84% of people with trouble sleeping found Pronto helped them fall asleep. 74% found it helped them stay asleep. You'll find Pronto now at select Walgreens, Amazon or at prontosleep.com. Pronto Sleep is the gift of sleep from Australia. From RhinoMed, bringing you advanced nasal therapy. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt, credit card debt, and I heard a commercial for Trinity. I gave them a call. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. When I first called, I was a little embarrassed and kind of ashamed, and I looked at the numbers, and I saw how quickly that astronomical debt that was in my life would go away. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. What I would tell other people, please pick up the phone and call Trinity. Just let them put together a program and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. Top of the show, we were talking about um, what do you call your grandma and grandpap? You know, when you were growing up, what was your grandma and grandpap's name? And and now, if you're a grandparent, what do they call you? Um, Talking to people here at the studio, a buddy of mine whose name is Mike, his his granddaughter calls him Huey. Which is I don't know even he he's mystified where that comes from but he's Huey and his wife is Nana Huey and Nana. Um, when my mom was a grandma, my mom was she was referred to as Bia, which was you know a corruption of grandma. So she was Bia to many 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 grandkids. My dad was just Pap. Uh, we were sort of old school in our family. We called our you know, my maternal uh, grandparents Grandma and Grandpap, and then my. Um, the other parents, grandparents, we called them Nan and Pap. Nan. She was much more um, formal. Anyway, so thinking about those names, I saw this article that um, uh, in the UK at least, they did a survey to talk about children's, what are you going to name your child? And 33% of parents in the UK said they have now decided that they're going to create a name. They're going to do a gender neutral name so as to not to interfere <laughs> Right, not to any interfere in somehow with the, with the child's choice of a name or a gender. So here's some uh, top ten uh, made up names in the UK: Jaspin, which is kind of like Jasper, right? Uh, Graylin, Cedar, uh, Albion. Some of these I can't even pronounce. Oh, here's one. Oh, this is Silvalia, Silvalia, or Sophily, or Elizabeth. Now, that sounds very feminine, but it's, <laughs> I don't know. So this is where we are. Now we're going to, I guess, you know, in the next 20, 30, 50 years, we'll live in a sort of, what, a genderless society in the hopes of what? When you when you eliminate gender, what are you trying to do? Just to, hopefully you're eliminating sexual bias, right? So somehow, um, you know, we've known that somehow girls uh, have been at a disadvantage uh, society, societal, for thousands of years. And, you know, that's, that's a very common fact, of course. So by by allowing someone to be genderless, we hope to even the playing field. 
whether in school, uh, you know, preschool or high school, or in the boardroom, or I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if you can sort of legislate or socialize gender. But I guess a grand experiment that we're into right now, the very tendrils, the very beginning of it all, we'll find out down the road. And what will that be like for society? Will it make things better or will it just confuse the heck out of everybody? A question for the decades ahead. Hey, stick around. We've got a great 5 o'clock hour ahead for you. We're going to talk with Hugh Ross. He's got an amazing story to tell about his life. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM and WPIT Radio. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Senate has approved a bipartisan measure limiting President Trump's authority to launch military operations against Iran. The resolution says Mr. Trump must seek approval from Congress before engaging in further military action against Iran if it reaches his desk. It is expected the president will veto the measure. Authorities say a six-year-old South Carolina girl who disappeared earlier in the week after getting off her school bus has been found dead. Homicide investigation is underway now. Faye Marie Swetlick disappeared on Monday. The upper Midwest getting its share of winter weather with some of the coldest air this season, crossing parts of the Midwest and Northeast through the end of the week. Stocks finishing lower as investors turn cautious following news of a surge in the coronavirus cases. The Dow dropped 128 points, the Nasdaq off nearly 14, and the S&P was down 5. This is SRN News. This President's Day weekend, you'll find every mattress store is having a sale. Well, every store except the original Mattress Factory. This is Greg Trzinski, and at OMF, we offer our lowest and best price to everyone every day. And because our mattresses are hand-built locally, we offer a better value than the other guys' sale prices. This weekend, the original Mattress Factory is opening up its doors and showing you exactly what we're made of. We'll be running full production this Saturday from 10 to 5, and would like to invite you and your family to stop by our factory to take a tour and see how we hand-build our mattresses and box springs one at a time. In addition, this Saturday through Monday, we will have every model in every standard size ready for immediate pickup at our factory on Freeport Road. Buy great quality and value today and enjoy better sleep tonight. That's every model in every standard size. That's our Take It Today promise. The original Mattress Factory, 15 Freeport Road off Route 28 at the Highland Park Bridge. I am doing it all. The water, the fiber, the exercise. But I still have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keep coming back. My doctor said that I may have a chronic medical condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats adults with IBS with constipation. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. 
I find that patients just want to be heard. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. That takes time to sit down and listen to what the patient has to say. Listen to their past experiences, because that's all important in how I then present treatment to them, formulate a treatment plan for them, and how we move forward with their treatment at our office. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Harry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Founded in 1794, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus. Rooted in the Reformed tradition and in relationship with Christ followers from other traditions, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary forms and equips people for ministries familiar and yet to unfold, communities present and yet to be gathered. The seminary offers Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degrees, plus certificates. Financial assistance is available for full and half-time students who qualify. Learn more at pts.edu. Tonight, considerable clouds, colder with a couple of snow showers. Breezy this evening, watch for a rapid freeze-up with a low 15. Tomorrow, a couple of flurries in the morning, otherwise times of clouds and sun with a high 21. Tomorrow night, clear and cold with a low 12. Saturday, increasing cloudiness with a high 38. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. I was sad to read in today's Wall Street Journal that uh, the McClatchy Company has filed for bankruptcy protection today as the newspaper publisher seeks to reorganize uh, uh, under a deal with pressure of major pension and debt obligations. Now, the McClatchy Company, they were prominent um, not as publishers, but they were prominent here in the city of Pittsburgh as owners of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Kevin McClatchy, who was the one-time owner, uh, still lives in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. But um, the McClatchy family has owned newspapers for 163 years. In all, they have 30 newspapers across the country, which include some of the bigger companies, uh, newspapers in the country. All of them, I should say, and this is just from my perspective, I don't think it's ending out of school. All of them are very left-leaning papers. The Miami Herald, the Sacramento Bee, the Kansas City Star. Um, it's weird because, you know, here in the city of Pittsburgh, with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Block family, now if you follow that at all, which I have, I just there's something about newspapers that I love dearly. Now, the Block family's owned the Post-Gazette, like the McClatchy's, for many, well, not that not, not nearly as long as the McClatchy family, but they've owned the paper for, for generations. Um, they have yet to give their employees a, a raise going on some nine-plus years, and this is something the employees of the Post-Gazette speak about openly. And, you know, you... You look at the struggling print media and how brutal it is. Uh, it's amazing that any newspaper is still operating, let alone operating, and most are not operating. I think maybe the New York Times may be the exception of several other papers that have done paywalls and have required subscriptions that are operating at a profit. So the McClatchy family, uh, boy, this is what's interesting to me. You know, I want to read this to you here. Um, Yeah, here we go. The company has pointed to its pension obligations as a significant challenge, reporting in November that the plan was underfunded, the pension plan, by $535 million as the end of March of last year. On Thursday, 
The McClatchy family said the plan held assets of $1.39 billion. They're talking about the, pe- the pension fund. The company said it would ask the bankruptcy court to terminate its pension plan and appoint the Federal Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation as trustees. Now, that's fascinating to me. That's really significant. So essentially, you know, in the old days, when your parents or your grandparents worked, the company had a built-in pension plan. Now, those days, of course, are long since gone. Most of us have 401ks today, if you've got anything at all. But my father, you know, especially a lot of families around here whose families work for U.S. Steel, there was a built-in pension that kicked in. It was generous, and it held families together in people's old age. Those are long since gone. So the McClatchy fortune, the McClatchy press dynasty, dynasty is now crumbling under their past pension obligations. It's a common story today. And because of those past pension obligations, they've said, well, we're going to file for bankruptcy, and we want the federal government, you and I, to pick up the McClatchy pension plan. Now, that doesn't tell you something about the government, big business, corporate America, where we are today. Nothing else will. Clearly, the newspapers are struggling. Print in general is magazines. You name it, right? We all know that. That's a long-gone industry. So this has not happened before. It's going to happen repeatedly now where people who are holding corporations, who are holding large pensions say, yeah, we can't do this anymore. So we're going to ask the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. We're just going to hand it over to the government and make sure that the, they cover our old employees. Now, of course, I wonder how long those – because that's a union. I bet it's a union house. Of course, it was some portion of it is. So that's built into the union. People have paid into that for decades. But still, here we are at another age where now you and I are on the hook for people's pensions funds. It's unfair. It's untoward. And quite honestly, the McClatchy family, they should be ashamed of themselves. However, I did love the McClatchys. Whenever Kevin, McClatchy, whenever Kevin McClatchy bought the Pirates, the Pirates were essentially ready to leave town. Now, he held on to that team for about a decade or so. He essentially saved the Pirates here in the city of Pittsburgh. But then, when he sold his share, the majority stake, Kevin McClatchy's majority stake, to Bob Nutting, then there's a whole other story of which we've trod that ground very well. We'll take a break. Uh, we got lots more ahead. We're just getting underway here for the 5 o'clock hour, the ride home. If you got a pension fund, God bless you. And uh, who doesn't want to be covered in old age, especially if you've you've saved and you've made sure that your, your employees done the right thing with your union as well. 101.5 WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. When a child of God is broken... Our will is brought into submission to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we too give instant obedience to the one whom we call Savior and Lord. Hear the series, Brokenness, The Way to Blessing, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, 
you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I had a lot of credit card debt, and I couldn't pay my bills. I was feeling so bad. I got to a point where I needed some help, so I reached out and contacted Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-758-5360 to talk to a certified counselor. They were able to take all of my different payments and put them all together. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. And they were actually able to work with my creditors. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000 in the last 18 months. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-758-5360. My name is Stephanie, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-758-5360. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. If you're down in the valley, we invite you to come up a little higher. Join the conversation. The John and Kathy Show continues on 101.5 WORD. Astronomer and best-selling author Hugh Ross travels the globe, speaking on the compatibility of advancing scientific discoveries with the timeless truths of Christianity. His organization, Reasons to Believe, is dedicated to demonstrating via a variety of resources and events that science and biblical faith are allies, not enemies. We're happy to welcome once again to the ride home, Hugh Ross. Hugh, welcome. Oh, thank you. Hugh, we've talked to you so many times over the years, and I know you're one of the most popular guests that we have on our program, but I think probably few of our guests have heard the story of you growing up and finding out that you were on the autism spectrum as a child. So let's start at the very beginning. Um, When you, your earliest memories, were you kind of a science geek? My parents told me I was doing science experiments uh, from the time I was about two years of age. Wow. So, and you know, my earliest memories go back to when I was two. I mean, I, I was born in Montreal. That's where my father had a successful engineering business. I remember the car he was driving. and uh, But I also remember that uh, I quickly learned to keep my mouth shut because whenever I would speak, I would say offensive things. So I just learned to not say anything. And literally, I didn't really begin to socially engage until I was about seven years of age. 
Offensive in what way, Hugh? You mean that um, like a lot of children lack filters, right? They just tell the truth and see things as they are. So, Well, that was me. I mean, if I saw a lady who was overweight, I would just yell out, hey, mom, dad, that lady's really fat. And so I got disciplined for saying that. And, or, you know, I'd see a coal miner, and I would yell out, hey, you know, that man's really dirty. So... Yeah, so people would say, hey, so then uh, many times you got you got uh, scolded for just speaking the truth. That's true, and I just learned, you know, the best way to survive is just keep my mouth shut. I see. So that's what I did. So then talk to us about your early life, because, you know, when you look at uh, children today and advances in research on uh, autism or Asperger's or things like that, you know, um, children are diagnosed at an earlier age. Now, you've talked to us in the past about being uh, autistic. Uh, Can you tell us about that and about your parents' struggles and your struggles, your self-worth and how all those things work together? Well, you know, back then, nobody really understood what autism was. I mean, it wasn't talked about. Uh, What I do remember in my early years is all my parents' friends saying that I was mentally retarded and I needed to be put into an institution. Uh, This was happening when I was uh, three and four years of age. But I can remember my parents standing up for me and saying, no, we know our son is not mentally retarded. Uh, Look at the experiments he does spontaneously. And so they, and then what happened is my father lost his business in Montreal and uh, took his family out to uh, Vancouver. So when I was five, I was in Vancouver and uh, they enrolled me in kindergarten, figuring that might help me socially adapt. And uh, that wasn't too successful because I got bullied a lot. Um, and then uh, we wound up changing schools because my parents moved. And uh, so I was in grade one and I was failing all my classes mainly because I had very poor language skills. I wasn't really communicating verbally. And what I discovered is I really couldn't hold a pencil. So I couldn't prove that I knew the math or that I could read. And um, so I was six weeks to go uh, in my school year, and we transferred schools. And fortunately, there was a teacher there who saw the frustration that I was operating under, Hmm. held me after school, and asked me questions where all I had to do was nod my head uh, or, you know, shake my head. And uh, she figured out that I had read the content of 30 books. Hmm. And she told me, I'm going to pass you into grade two, even though you're failing all your classes, uh, because clearly you're able to read. Now, Hugh, let me back you up for a minute, because you mentioned that you were able to read, but you were not able to speak. Now, did you speak at home with your parents? Oh, I could speak. I mean, my parents tell their friends that when I was uh, like three and four years of age, I knew three words, yes, no, and cookie. And you can get pretty far in life with those three words. (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) But you didn't speak in school. Why? Because it was the relational component that was challenging? Yeah, I was afraid to speak. I was afraid I would get into trouble. And so I just Mm -hmm. kept really quiet. And in fact, the teacher said, you know, I was the quietest, uh, you know, child they ever had in the class. Um, But, you know, when I got into grade two, uh, I was placed in the last chair. I mean, it's true I got passed into grade two. But at that time in Canada, where you sat in the classroom is based on your academic standing. So here I was in the last chair in grade two. Everybody was uh, calling me the class dummy. 
and I basically said, there's no way I'm going to be in this last chair by the time grade two is over. I'm going to force myself to talk, and I'm going to figure out how to hold a pencil so I can do numbers and letters. And my parents thought I was obsessive because I would come home from school and I would practice holding a pencil for two or three hours a day. Uh, but by the end of grade two, I could actually make letters and numbers. And, uh, you know, by forcing myself to talk uh, and being able to read aloud, by the end of grade two, I was in the first chair. Hugh, that's an amazing story because, again, if you look at today's climate educationally, if a child wasn't able to hold a pencil, if a child wasn't speaking, you would have been shipped out and put in some sort of special classes or even not being allowed to be mainstreamed. So in many ways, you know, the, the trials and the troubles that you went through, as painful as they were, made something strong in you and created you to burst out of whatever was holding you back? Well, I, I basically knew I had handicaps, and it was up to me to do something about it. And, uh, you know, the other thing that was blessing about grade two is uh, we had a field trip to the Vancouver Public Library, and it had several million volumes. And when I saw that library, I, my parents said I literally came alive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my first trip, I brought home five books on physics and astronomy, read them all in one week, and went back to the library, and I got another set of five. That was the maximum you could check out. And uh, what was interesting about that era is that I had to take several buses to get to the Vancouver Public Library, and I did this on my own. At How old? Seven. Seven years seven. old. Wow. And uh, it was a bad part of town. But the, it was different back then, where parents weren't so worried about the safety of their children. Yep. And so that's where I spent my Saturdays, was at the, uh, at the library there. And I just devoured these books on physics and astronomy, and literally knew from the age of eight onwards that would be my future career. Dr. Hugh Ross with us. He's the founder and president of Reasons to Believe, an organization that combines the study of science with the uh, acknowledgement and furtherance of faith. Now, Hugh, from the very beginning, the books you were getting out were physics and astronomy? Yes. So you were never tempted to look at history or, you know, delve into the great literature classics? Well, I remember I found uh, Winston Churchill's six-volume set in World War II at our school library, so I read those when I think I was uh, eight or nine. <laughs> and uh, uh, my parents were kind of concerned that I was being obsessed with physics and astronomy. So when I was 10, they bought me this big, thick book on evolutionary biology. And I was the only one in the family that read it. But I remember telling them, Mom, Dad, the numbers don't add up. We have all the speciation before humanity and almost none after humanity. And that bothered me for several years. And it wasn't until I picked up a Bible at age 17 it answered for me that fossil record enigma. The reason why we see that, for six days God creates. The reason we don't see it now, God's at rest. We're in the seventh day. And so it's interesting how something I read at age 10 just gnawed at me until age 17 when wow. I first picked up the Bible. And that, by the way, was step one of my recognizing uh, the veracity of the Christian faith. That's fabulous. Hugh, uh, well, we want to go into this, obviously, about that leap forward into your faith, but but I need to go back because being in the last chair in second grade 
coming home, teaching yourself to hold a pencil for hours on end, then leaping forward, going to the library, absorbing all the uh, physics and astronomy books. In the meantime, your parents had to go from great concern about you and your skill set then they had to be thrilled by seeing you unlock yourself and realizing there was wonderful depth there. I mean, what was that like for them? Well, they told me that all along they knew that I was not retarded. They resist. I mean, everybody they knew said, you've got to put Hugh in an institution. They said, no way, that's not happening. Uh, and I had the advantage of the fact that my parents went from wealth to poverty, and we had to settle in the poorest part of Vancouver, but it was an immigrant neighborhood. One thing that helped me as I was going to public schools that were filled with children who were learning English. Mm. So in one sense, the fact that I wasn't speaking wasn't such a great handicap because I was mixed with students who had, you know, were from foreign countries and had to learn English from scratch. And so it was a little more accepting for me given that environment. The other thing that was helpful is that these children I went to school with were all quite uh, uh, intelligent. So I had the stimulation of being with a lot of fellow pupils and students uh, who were very bright and wanted to uh, get a very good education. So even though I went to the poorest high school in Vancouver, we graduated the best students in the province. Hugh, what about the social interaction? You said that in that regard, when you first started in school, um, you were way behind the other kids. How did, did you make that up? And by the time you were, let's say, in sixth grade, how were you socially? Well, I struggled socially uh, growing up. And because, uh, you know, I mean, when you're on the spectrum, you can't read people's emotions or body language and your own emotions are delayed. It's a mistake to think that people on the spectrum don't have emotions. They do. It's just that there's a big time delay, uh, you know, literally a, a couple of hours uh, before they have the feelings that uh, would be uh, that you would expect. Uh, but I remember getting around 15 or 16 and recognizing I've got serious social handicaps. And one of the things I began to do as I joined the uh, astronomy club and uh, I just started to do public speaking at the astronomy club. So I've been a public speaker since I was 16, and actually was giving lectures at the University of British Columbia on some of the uh, studies I've been doing on variable star research. And uh, that helped me get some social skills mm -hmm. that I probably would have never been able to get. And uh, then just simply spending time with people and inviting them to critique me. Uh, is to, you know, because I knew I was socially awkward and I had difficulties reading uh, people, uh, but I just made friends and said, you know, can you help me? And uh, that really uh, was a big assistance. The president and founder of Reasons to Believe, Hugh Ross, is with us. Hugh, at what age were you when you first heard the word autism? Oh, I was probably in my 40s. Wow. And I, and, you know, I really didn't see myself as being on the spectrum uh, until about a decade later. You know, and friends of my wife and I, um, we're, we're, we're friends with a couple where the wife is a therapist. And what she noticed is that I would be in the grocery store, and if I was trying to talk uh, with her husband, I kept colliding with him. And she said, you cannot control your body and speak at the same time, can you? And I said, no, I can't. 
and uh, she said, well, you, you must be on the autistic spectrum. She challenged me to take a bunch of tests, and uh, you can take them online. And I remember taking one where you were asked 50 questions, and if 24 are in the affirmative, then you're on the spectrum. Well, in my case, it was 48 out of 50. Wow. So I was way up on the spectrum. But it was, you know, literally discovering, yes, I can't control my body and talk at the same time. So at that time, obviously, a middle-aged man had navigated yourself successfully through many difficult situations. The educational system, I'm sure, found at that time reasons to believe had success in life. When that discovery came upon you and you unlocked the key to that, what did that do to you? Did it make a difference to you in any way? Yeah, it made a difference in the sense that, you know, because, you know, with being, if you're a high-functioning autistic, there's certain strengths you have and certain weaknesses. And I was discovering that my strengths were abnormal, which really helped, because at the beginning of Reasons to Believe, you know, I would speak and basically integrate, uh, you know, complex subjects from the 66 books of the Bible or be able to integrate material from, say, many different scientific disciplines, I thought everybody could easily integrate complex material from multiple uh, disciplines and mm. books and discovered, no, that's not normal. Yes. And so I found myself being a lot more uh, patient and tolerant with people who really struggle integrating complex material. Astronomer Hugh Ross is with us, founder and president of Reasons to Believe, an organization dedicated to integrating scientific fact and biblical faith. Hugh's books include Why the Universe is the Way It Is, Hidden Treasures in the Book of Job, and Navigating Genesis. This is part one of a two-part series where we're getting to know Hugh and finding out how he started Reasons to Believe. And uh, we need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Hugh on growing up on the autistic spectrum. When you're searching for a new mattress, you may be faced with a choice between a traditional inner spring or memory foam mattress. But you don't have to choose. You can get the active support of a high-quality inner spring with the comfort of memory foam in the new hybrid mattresses from the original Mattress Factory. With two new hand-built hybrid models to choose from, you can expect the latest in sleep innovation at the same high-quality and factory-direct pricing you've come to expect from the original Mattress Factory. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. When the original Mattress Factory first opened for business, we offered mattresses that were the same quality as the mainstream brands, but at a fraction of the cost. Our Factory Direct model made it easy for customers to understand they were getting a great value. But over the last few decades, the mainstream mattress brands have made major cuts to quality, while the original Mattress Factory's quality has only improved. And we still cost less than those other brands. We know that all sounds too good to be true. That's why we're inviting you to stop by one of our stores or factory locations to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. I love you, a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. Hi there, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Don't you just love an old-fashioned love song like that? We sure do love old-fashioned at the Springhouse, too. Old-fashioned values, well-loved antiques, and old-time family recipes. So that's exactly what we'll be cooking for you and your sweetheart on the upcoming Valentine's Day Sweetheart Dinner. Grilled marinated flank steak, celebration chicken Romano, Pearl's cheesy potatoes, buttered steamed green beans, reunion salad, your choice of a from scratch dessert, Bev's brown rolls, and pink lemonade. How's that sound for old-fashioned goodness? We'll light the candles and serve you on China as you enjoy live music by beloved local musician Bob Podish. 
Call 724-228-3339 to reserve your seat or go to springhousemarket.com for details. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of besthotgrill.com. Just because it's cold outside, it doesn't mean you need to stop grilling, not if you've got the right grill, and that would be a Solaire infrared grill. Solaire infrared grills perform equally well in the cold of winter as in the heat of summer. Just like you feel warm from the sun when you step out of the shadows, the Solaire infrared burners heat your food directly, not the air around the food like conventional grills do. The intense heat also results in the juiciest food you will ever taste from a grill, gas, charcoal, or otherwise. To get the great taste, it's all about the heat. And Solaire Infrared from BestHotGrill.com gets hotter than anything you've ever experienced. Try it yourself with the Solaire Demo Program. Solaire is truly the last grill you'll ever buy. Learn more about these amazing USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, considerable clouds, colder with a couple of snow showers. Breezy this evening. Watch for a rapid freeze-up with a low 15. Tomorrow, a couple of flurries in the morning. Otherwise, times of clouds and sun with a high 21. Tomorrow night, clear and cold with a low 12. Saturday, increasing cloudiness with a high 38. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. You've had a long day. Time to slow down, relax, and regain a little perspective on what really matters. The John and Kathy Show continues on 101.5 WORD. Hey, welcome back. We're happy that you're with us today. Astronomer and best-selling author Hugh Ross is with us. Hugh travels the globe speaking on the compatibility of advancing scientific discoveries with the timeless truths of Christianity. His organization, Reasons to Believe, is dedicated to demonstrating via a variety of resources and events that science and biblical faith are allies and not enemies. You mentioned before we broke, Hugh, that... um that you realize that not everyone had the ability to integrate scientific fact from various disciplines. So when you got into the college realm, the university system in Canada, was that something that, that set you apart from your peers? Yeah, I did extremely well in some of my classes. Those classes uh, where our courses where we had to integrate complex material, I always got the top grade and got the top grade by a wide margin. Uh, but I never recognized that as an unusual skill. I just thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm working hard at this. Um, and then also recognized there were certain areas where I was struggling. And, you know, once I realized I was on the spectrum, it brought to memory an IQ test I took when I was uh, 15 years of age. And how the, it was one where I was personally being interviewed and had to do all these problem assignments. And what the uh, psychologist said, I was the only uh, student she'd ever given the test to that either got zero or a hundred percent on all segments of the, oh, of the wow. test. <laughs> Is that right? Okay, well, so- I remember, for example, she had me do this part where I had to put together cartoon um, uh, sl- slides and put them in the right order. And it was a story of a romantic encounter. And she made me do it four times. All four times I failed miserably. Hmm. <laughs> on the other hand, she gave me a test where I had to see the relationships 
between uh, you know different entities, and she said you're the only one who's ever gotten a hundred percent. But you know, I just kind of laughed that off. But once I realized on the spectrum, this is that explains why it's such unusual results on that test. Interesting. Now that's so fascinating, Hugh, and you're speaking to an audience of people who now know what autism is. A lot of our listeners are parents of autistic kids, and so this is something that they already understand and are involved in therapies and all that sorts of thing. When you look back at yourself and you think, wow, what would my life have been like if my parents would have heard someone on the radio talking about being on the spectrum and there could have been an intervention for me at that point. How do you think things would have been different? Well, I'm kind of glad I was raised the way I was because today I would have probably been put in some special class. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been mainstreamed, and I think that would have held me back. Um, and you know, kind of what I share with parents who have a child on the autistic spectrum is there'll be something your child can do better than any other child. You need to find what that is. And the only way you're going to discover that is to expose your child to material that's far more advanced than than what's appropriate for his age group. And, uh, you know, just expose them to it. And, and by, in fact, what I tell parents is, you know, when your child is, say, six, seven, eight, or nine years of age, expose them to freshman college material and just see what really grabs their interest. Uh, all, almost always there's a particular subject that they really are able to perform extremely well in. Hmm. And that will help you guide that child. So with that in mind, Hugh, do you find yourself seeking out, speaking before groups of autism societies or children who are autistic? Well, I've done some of that. I'd be open to doing more. Uh, But predominantly, my speaking is in front of what I would call neurotypical people, people who are not on the spectrum. Uh, But just helping them to see how, for example the different disciplines of the book of nature integrate with the different books of the Bible. One thing I've discovered as a pastor is that people struggle trying to integrate the 66 books of the Bible. So kind of helping them be Mm -hmm. able to do that. And just seeing how people are liberated when they realize, you know what, Um, that the world of nature does not contradict the world of Scripture. They support one another. So that's kind of the gift I have is helping people see those connections and uh, it's just a joy for me to see the sense of liberation they experience when they can put all the pieces together. Hugh, I remember the first time we talked to you on the phone uh, in an interview setting. It was probably six years ago. And the thing I took away from that, what, 16 minutes maybe we spent together, is I had never heard a person integrate Scripture the way you had. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me. And so you multiply me over all the years you've been speaking and all the people who have heard you speak. I mean, the the gift that you have given to so many through your books and your audio and video and all of that, I mean, it, it's really incredible. Yes, and probably the most humorous encounter I have with people in the spectrum. Like, I run a class uh, at a church not far from Caltech. And a lot of people on the spectrum come to the class because they know I'm on the spectrum. And the number one question I get is, can you help me with my dating life? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a great place to stop, Hugh, because when we come back, not that we're going to go deep into your dating life, but we want to know about how you met your wife, okay? Sure. Fabulous. Stick around. This is... uh, the Ride Home with John and Kathy. We're talking with Hugh Ross. He's the president and the founder of a wonderful ministry, Reasons to Believe. Stay with us. 
101.5 WORD. You're listening now, so we know you're a fan of the radio station. I am a big fan. And we want you to know that we appreciate you. I am your number one fan. That's why we've developed the Word FM Fan Club. It's free to join, and once you do, you can take part in exclusive surveys and contests. Yeah, I love contests. Special offers. Great giveaways. Discounts. Freebies. I'd like to win one of these contests. Become a member today. Go to wordfm.com slash fan club and sign up. We're big fans. Remember those 300-piece some assembly required toy sets? The ones your kids loved, but you were too proud to use the instructions. Yeah, you figured it out, eventually. The looks on their faces were worth it, but you listened to your wife the next time when she told you to just read the manual. Some assembly is required for retirement, too. It may not always be fun, but it matters. And that's why Accurate Solutions Group invites you to a dinner workshop to talk about retirement's most common concerns, things like taxes, Social Security, if you have too much money in the market, and much more. Seating is limited, so pick the date that works for you by calling to register today. Call or text RSVP to 412-515-0005. That's 412-515-0005. Start assembling your retirement plan with help from Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who deserves to win big this season? My two cents, good drivers. I mean, that's why there's Snapshot from Progressive. Let's go to Rick for some confusing metaphors. Look, if you put a classically trained cellist in a garage band and you tell them to play for Layman Young, I guarantee you the meat on that burrito ain't gonna light the candle. Thanks for clarifying, Rick. If you're a good driver, there's no other way to say it. You deserve discounts with Snapshot. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. 2020 is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage with the help from the pros at Salem Surround. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like that much-needed 125-inch flat-screen TV. It's hurting my eyes a lot. For your 100-square-foot bedroom. My neck isn't so much stiff as it's completely stuck. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Uh-oh, I'm seeing color splotches. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Astronomer Hugh Ross is the founder and the president of Reasons to Believe, an organization dedicated to integrating scientific fact and biblical faith. His books include Why the Universe is the Way It Is, Hidden Treasures in the Book of Job, and Navigating Genesis. You've been talking to us, Hugh, about navigating uh, throughout your life on the autism spectrum. And I also know that you're married and the dad of two boys. And so we want to know how it, how did you meet Kathy? And what was that? Was it hard for you to date? Yes, it was. Very difficult. Uh, I met my wife at a Bible study not far from Caltech. It was filled with professional people who were trying to equip themselves for ministry. So a lot of pastors and missionaries uh, came out of that group, and uh, it was, you know, about half the people were married and half the people were not married, uh, so that's where I met her. Uh, but if you were to talk to my wife today, she would say the wonderful thing about being married to Hugh 
he never knows when a woman is flirting with him. And he says the most difficult thing is he never knows when I'm flirting with him. <laughs> so I had no idea that Kathy had any interest in me, and I, had, I was struggling trying to communicate that I had interest in her. Uh, nothing was working. Uh, so we had been friends for two years. We'd been ministry partners over those two years. Um, but the one thing that I kept noticing was that when the two of us were together on a ministry uh, you know, venture, people would think that we were married and that we weren't even dating. And uh, so I, that made me think, you know, maybe there's something there that I'm not, that, you know, Kathy's not aware of. And I tried to talk to her, nothing was working. And finally, I got so frustrated, I decided to write her a letter. Uh, and then she wrote me a letter back. And, uh, but, you know, that's, that's typical of people on the spectrum. Uh, they tend to have good communication skills when they're writing, but terrible mm. communication skills uh, when they're talking. In fact, my wife would say the greatest struggle in our dating relationship was our phone call, phone conversations. Uh, you know, she just couldn't tell where I was coming from emotionally, and I couldn't tell where she was either. That's interesting. Uh, but it was during those dating times, in fact, it was even before we were dating, uh, Kathy would say, Hugh, when you talk to people, you can't just stare at the ground. You need to make eye contact. And I said, oh, okay, I had no idea, because I figured, hey, you know, no problem. And so I would start making eye contact, and then she would say, you, when you make eye contact, you just stare at the person, and you can't do that. You've got to avert your eyes once in a while. So over the course of about a year, she trained me how to make eye contact with people in such a way that it would make communication easier rather than more difficult. By the way, she's still training me, because when I'm in front of an audience, my tendency is to look at no one or to look at one person, huh. and it's really challenging for me to speak and be able to have my eyes where they need to be. And here's the problem. If I focus too much on where my eyes need to be, then I'm no longer able to focus on my message, and I'll lose my place in my message. You know, people wonder why I'm so dependent on visuals with a keynote and PowerPoint. It's mainly for my benefit as much as it is for the audience's mm -hmm. benefit, so that I can actually make contact with the audience without losing my place. Interesting. Hugh Ross is with us, the president and founder of Reasons to Believe. Hugh, before, I need to go back just a little bit because when we've been talking about you on the autism scale, and I wonder about you as a young man and in your mind thinking about, you know, oh, romance and relationships. And because of autism, your inability to break through, was there fear in your life that you would never be engaged in a relationship or married? Was that something that was you were trying to push away from you that was not part of you in some way? Well, I did recognize that maybe I would never be married. Um, and, you know, but I made an attempt to develop relationships. And by the time I was in my late teens, um, you know, it was relatively easy for me to make friendships. People valued me as a friend, mainly because they saw me as somebody who had uh, no ulterior motives. Uh -huh. And so, you know, girls would be comfortable around me because I wasn't trying to make a play on them. Yeah, yeah. I learned a long time ago it doesn't work, so I might as well just give up. <laughs> so, um in that sense, you know, both men and women felt comfortable around me. Yeah. And I was content. Once I became a Christian at age 19, 
you know, I kind of felt, you know, if I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul and be single for the rest of my life, that's great. So I was very content being single. And in fact, it wasn't until I met my future wife, Kathy, that I began to consider the possibility. She was the one that persuaded me that maybe marriage is, is an option, because I thought for sure I'd be single for the rest of my life. Wonderful. And actually was quite content with that uh, outcome. Uh, but because of her... My, my mind was changed. So you and Kathy were married, and thank goodness she pursued, right? She was able to break things down for you. And then you have children. You have two, two, two children. Can you talk about that, about being a father and being an intentional father, especially with your autism? Was that helpful or hurtful? I'm sure it was both. It was both. When, the, when my boys were really young, like between the time of birth and the time they were about three years of age, I had a very good relationship with them. But once they became social and talkative, that's when I began to struggle, and it was really difficult when they were teenagers. And, uh, you know, they didn't know I was on the spectrum because I wasn't aware I was on the spectrum, but they know now. And uh, now that they're in their 20s, our relationship is very good. Uh, but, yeah, between the time of about, oh, say, four and uh, 22, that was, a, that was a period of struggle because they were expecting me to be able to read their body language and their emotions, and I couldn't do it. But when they were really little, they weren't expecting me to do that. And so I had a great relationship. And one thing about people on the spectrum, they tend to be really good with little children and with animals. And I remember when my boys were like one and two, they thought it was great that I would take them in a backpack and we would visit these animals in the neighborhood and even wild animals, and they'd be able to have that special relationship with the animals. And so, you know, people are amazed. Wild animals have come up to me. And I thought, well, that was normal. I now realize, no, being on the spectrum actually communicates a sense of trust, and that, that explains why I have such intimate contact with wild animals that other people do not have. So your contact with wild animals continues to this day. Yes, um, it does. For anyone who follows you on Facebook, that's just a part of how you look at the world and how you relate. So can you talk a little bit about that for those of us who aren't on the spectrum? Why, why can you do that? Well, what you learn being on the spectrum is that you have extremely poor skills in trying to deceive anyone. So you basically give up. And so you know, a lot of people will say for those of us in the spectrum, there's no guile. Well, it's not so much a, a moral attribute or a moral virtue as that we quickly learn. It's not possible for us to deceive. And so what happens is that you communicate a sense of trust. And I think that's something I've seen the reasons to believe ministry. You know, people have that almost immediate capacity to trust what I say and what I do. And so, for example, I remember being sitting at an airport and I saw this lady really frazzled with four kids. And uh, she walked up to me and said, can you take care of my four children? i got to get some food. i got to get to the restroom. Uh, for some reason, she picked me out of a crowd, mm. a total stranger, and she trusted me to take care of her four kids. And I can recall being on airplanes where, say, a two-year-old boy or girl would get up out of their seat and immediately jump in my lap. I mean, there's just that, you know, kind of sense. And I see that with animals as well. Uh, you know, my wife gets a kick out of the fact that I was working in the backyard one evening, and the skunk uh, came over and brushed <laughs> itself against my arm. <laughs> Had no fear of me at all. 
never raised its tail. And uh, I found uh, that doesn't typically happen with people who are not on the spectrum. Fascinating. Dr. Hugh Ross is with us. Hugh Ross is the president and the founder of Reasons to Believe. He is also an astrophysicist, and he's been spending the last hour with us talking about growing up on the autism spectrum. This is part one of our series with Hugh. We're going to join Hugh again tomorrow as he's going to talk to us about how it worked out with him learning his craft of science, growing as a scientist, being accepted into the academic community, and of course, also at the same time, growing in his faith and realizing that perhaps he was going to be one of the pioneers in combining a study of science and faith at the same time. Hugh, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing through your mouth when you sleep. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, then you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Thankfully, there's Mute, an ingenious Australian invention that could quiet the snoring season once and for all. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that sits inside the nose, supporting your airway and keeping it open while you sleep. You'll breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. In fact, in trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute, allowing them both a better night's sleep. Put snoring season to bed, America. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. What is it costing you in vet bills for that convenience of just pulling open a bag of formulated, extruded, processed cereal bits? That costs a ton of money anyways. How do you feed your dog to derive not only energy, but a good coat, bright eyes, and a great attitude? Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I found his raw meat diet on Dynavite.com. With just the raw meat and the eggs and the Dynavite and the Super Omega on top of it. Try Super Omega fish oil. Buy two. Get one free. Ground beef, white rice, um, eggs, including the shells, and the Dynavite supplement, and then the Lico Chops. Try Lico Chops. Buy two. Get one free. It just balances out his body and his mind and his spirit. Adding Dynavite to their diet has every single dog in my kennel looking better than they have ever looked. Their skin is is so much better now that they're on the raw diet, I don't even give them the kibble anymore. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. When you've got water, fire, or smoke damage, there's no debate. You have to vote yellow. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Our team is ready to help 24 hours a day. The man, the yellow man. This election year, you can vote red or you can vote blue, but yellow is always the right choice. Demand the yellow van when you have water damage and call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. At Circle K, a dollar can get you the freshest cup of coffee in the world. Every cup is ground fresh, right when you want it. So for a split second, your cup is the freshest on earth. Every cup ground fresh, starting at a dollar at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. L. 
It's for the way you look at me. Oh, it's for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore can love. Is all that I can give. How about that voice? Of course, that's Nat King Cole. I remember growing up, we had uh, we had several in my my dad's record collection, several Nat King Cole albums. It was one of those rare voices that uh, transcended race and time, uh, but still, just uh, gone way too early. I think he died a very young man of a heart attack, like in his uh, late forties, early fifties. Ike Cole used to regularly come to Pittsburgh. I remember seeing Ike Cole um, at a jazz club. Is on Liberty Avenue, maybe, uh, or in the in the um, Market Square. But uh, Ike Cole, Freddie Cole, was also King Cole's uh, brother. Uh, Natalie Cole, right? Natalie Cole. Of course, we all knew her. Um, she died way too young as well. Hey, uh, Mike's playing that because, of course, tomorrow is our um, uh, much anticipated date night at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets uh, still on sale at wordfm.com. And come on out. Uh, this should be. I don't know. Maybe 500 people or so uh, out of, as part of the mix. Uh, Marty Simpson, truly a funny guy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, one of the things I really love to do is to sit in a room full of people and watch a funny person riff. I mean, I love it. There's nothing about n- nothing so immediate as uh, someone funny, you know, and there you are laughing involuntarily because what's being said. And you're sitting next to your wife and hanging out with a room full of strangers. I dig it so much. So wordfm.com is the place to go to get those tickets. But through the kindness of a stranger here, uh, I got a, uh, I got a pair of tickets. 800-320-8255, 800-320-8255. Come on out and enjoy us. And it, uh you know, because someone's so kind here, we're going to make sure that uh, you get a pair of tickets. So I know it's last minute, and maybe you surprise your husband or your wife and think, oh, yeah, we could do this. Cal's going to be there, back from a, a long junket. I'll be there as well. The whole crew from Word FM. So we'd hope that you would come on out and spend some time and enjoy yourself and uh, treat and love the one you love and uh, laugh a little bit, okay? 800-320-8255. If you don't win those tickets, we'd say uh, go online to wordfm.com. And come on out and enjoy the festivities because uh, we've done this many times in the past. It's always a first class event and uh, deeply enjoyable. Okay. Yeah, uh, how about this? You know, if you've got Netflix, uh, which we do, you know, the uh, there's a lot of stand up comedy on Netflix. And for the most part, I am leery uh, as all get out about because you know, especially you're going to sit down and watch it, you know, with your wife or and. More often than not, stand-up comedy is just completely and totally off-the-wall abysmal. I mean, F-bombs are plenty, situations, you know, you look at the culture today and think, you know, we've gone off the rails. Well, I, I think what's in the clubs, what's in, you know, in the stand-up clubs, is sort of a, a direct mirror or a direct reflection of who we are. I think that's pretty common. That's a pretty uh, fair assessment. I think that stand-up comedy in many ways. Look, I mean, you can go back to the court gesture. It was a, a sign of the times. What was a, applicable, applicable uh, as far as um, a joke in what, good company or not? And then, of course, you know, it, I don't know. Jim Gaffigan? I'd, I'd say Jim Gaffigan is the closest 
to a stand-up, clean comedian uh, who's out there. And, of course, Jim Gaffigan, I would say 98% of the time. It's not like you're – it's something you could sit in front of, you know, at least with your, you know, your teen kids and watch and laugh. Even more so. Even younger kids, probably. Anyway, all that to say, we do hope that you're with us tomorrow. Kath will be there. Uh, long a field, but back uh, again. I know that she is in town. We've not yet spoken. So look forward to seeing uh, Kath. The Ride Home family. Hey, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. The podcast is up and running a few minutes after we leave the hour. Have yourself a great night. Hey, stay cool, or stay warm, I should say, and uh, be careful on the roads. Love you guys. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.